everybody, and welcome to Pod on the Time, your go-to Newcastle United podcast brought to you by The Athletic. Remember, if you're not already a subscriber, you can sign up right now and take advantage of a 30-day free trial by going to theathletic.com forward slash Newcastle pod to enjoy the best football writing anywhere, just as football returns. Chris, you did a, a couple of great pieces recently. And George, I saw your uh, piece with regards to the contract extensions and stuff like that. It would be great if we could point people in their direction. Yeah, so George this morning, uh, so this Tuesday we're recording the podcast, George did a piece um, on the sort of contract situation of those players whose contracts are going to expire at the end of the month. So he's got more details on basically how uh, there's been an intimation from the club towards uh, Carroll, Matty Longstaff and Javier Manquillo that not only do they want him to stay until the end of this season, but potentially beyond. And then sort of last week, uh, I did a more in-depth look at sort of the Matty Longstaff situation, Mm. exactly what his options are, Udinese, Watford links, uh, all of that sort of stuff, and basically Udinese the, the sort of is that is that how you pronounce Udinese? Is that right? I have absolutely no idea. Oh but, come on, uh, chaps! Come on, we've got sixty nine questions. We've got sixty nine questions from Newcastle fans George to get through, and sixty nine is of it's course is the sexiest over and over again. It's the sexiest <laughs> number of questions you could possibly have. I think I'm borrowing a joke from Charlotte the other week. Yes, but come on, let's go. these questions are all answered. So I mean, these questions are all here to answer. So let's do it. Come on. Oh, Okay, well, you know, I was just trying to get some information out of Chris, but yes, fine, George, fine, have it your way. Of course, yes, we have done a a, a question and answer thing for this podcast. Uh, There's been lots of questions sent in from uh, from Twitter, and we're going to go through and try and rattle through as many as we possibly can. George, I'm getting to it. I can feel your frustration bubbling in the background. I'm just like a coiled spring. I'm like a sexy coiled spring ready to... You're more like a coiled duvet, George, let's be honest. Right. Let's start at the top. So, so I, I will say there were I no, mean, no, no. Uh, you can't say anything. Questions. No, no. There were more than a hundred. There were more than a hundred. All right, go on then. <laughs> right, starting at the top, and of course, a lot of these first uh, bunch of questions are going to be revolving around the takeover at Nikos uh, underscore NUFC. A few weeks ago, your confidence seemed to change from if it happens to it will happen, and also pointing to an unofficial yes. Do you still feel like this now, or has anything changed? I'm presuming that's aimed at George. Yes, and I'm going to... The next one was from Magpie Southern, who says, you seem confident still that the takeover from Piff Stavely and RB is going through, but we're interested to know what you think would happen if it fell through. So I'm going to put those two together. So, I mean, I've always been confident, and that confidence is has come from the people that I speak to. Both sides want this to, to get done. Um, the, the, the thing about unofficial yes, I, will, I put that in context last week. I'll do that again. What happened at that point was that there were a load of stories saying that they'd been given the green light, that the Premier League mm. had been given the green light. Now, my understanding at that, well, my knowledge at that point was that the Premier League had not signed this off, as we've seen here we are two weeks later, three weeks later, and they still haven't yeah. signed it off. So I was just being very careful with my choice of words. There have been various points along the way where it looks like either the green light is about to be given or that the nod has been given somewhere down the line that everything is going to be okay. My interpretation of it, that's all it is, it's a guess, it's its putting two and two together, is that the main bulk of the work has been done on the test, but they're still working through... Uh, you know, they're still working through questions and there were still being questions answered as of last week. Now, I think that's the final stage of the process, but oh my God, how many times have we said that? How much (laughs) longer could those questions still go on for? I don't know the answer. What would happen if it fell through? Oh my God. Well, we've got some, you know, we've got some more questions about that further on. So let's do the next one. We certainly have. And I think Nikos also followed up with, if you were forced to put a timescale on when we would be likely to get a decision, what would your guess be? We know nobody knows for sure, but it would be interesting to get your opinion. George, what would your opinion be on this? Well, I'm going to apologise to Nikos and everybody else and say that I just don't want to do that again. Um, yeah. You know, I think we've we've all thought at various moments that it's it's been very very close because that's you know that's kind of what we've been told. Everybody had been had been um, there was you know there was certainly a sense of of them being ready for that announcement to come and you know that hasn't happened and there have been more questions so I just don't think it helps anybody Nikos if I do that and it mm. just you know it just serves to get people excited irate and we've already seen this you know this this kind of uh, sort of vicious circle of it's imminent oh no it's not yeah. it's more it's, yeah. you know so let's just let's just wait and see and let them let them do it okay chris what do you think about this did the buyers underestimate the level of opposition this takeover would generate uh, or did they factor in all of this noise and the length of time it has taken 
underestimate. <clears throat> a, a, that, sorry, a that's from Ex Crazy One uh, on Twitter. Ax Crazy, Ax Crazy, Crazy. It must be a guitar guy, dude. Um, I don't want to necessarily say they underestimated it because I know that they, they did foresee uh, the potential issues which which were going to arise, and I know a lot of work has has gone into the background of that. George has spoken about this before that they had certainly uh, in terms of human rights and also the the potential piracy issues. Um, I think that the the fact that this is just it just be, has become such a a huge story, and given given that lockdown has coincided with it, and therefore scrutiny probably has come closer onto the deal. That, that's probably sort of accentuated everything. And and actually, um, very interesting piece for, from Matt Slater on the Athletic, looking at the piracy issue they do, and he makes the point that really because now more than ever the Premier League relies on its uh, broadcast partners, and so mm. probably when they were looking back into this in January, it wasn't quite as as much of an issue because we hadn't had coronavirus impact on revenue streams in terms of match day revenue and other mm-hmm. uh, elements. Whereas now being obviously are very very important to the future health of the Premier League financially so I think it has become a bigger issue in that sense so that's sort of a fudged answer but yeah I don't think it was underestimated. Well, I just think circumstances have changed. Yeah. Just to add to that very very quickly they knew that human rights would would be would come up as a as a as a conversation and they knew very well that piracy would come up as a as a conversation so they knew all that just to to repeat what we've said all along they were told it would take it could take up to 30 days and it's taken twice that so has it been longer than they thought yes it's been longer than everybody thought excellent at james newton has asked if the takeover is delayed and in the meantime nufc are relegated uh, would there be a case for suing or legal action against the premier league for their dither and delay um and he's put in brackets after that ironically uh takeover post relegation would be easier is that what the epl are hoping for twizzle end of mustache <laughs> <laughs> well i mean let's let's try and not do the conspiracy theories i mean oh. no, the, the premier league the premier league are you know working through this as i say yeah. it's taken far longer than we thought but they're not delaying it for that reason in terms of relegation and and suing and stuff like that i mean god knows and th- they've been trying to buy the club or you know this 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 bid has been at least thirteen months, twelve months, thirteen months in the making, and yes. they would have put they would have put a bid in at any you know could have put a bid in at any time if they thought it would work or if they thought they had all the finances in order. So, I mean, mm-hmm. no, I mean, I think that's just that's just the luck of the draw. You know, I think they're pretty confident that Newcastle won't get relegated, just like I'm sure you know we are. But I mean, and the thing is, it just takes us into realms of speculation there. Uh, so the next question comes from, it's kind of two questions in one, coming from Dolphin Hotel and Andrew McVitie. Um, assuming the takeover goes through by the end of this month uh, and we are in the Premier League next season, what would be on your to-do list between now and whenever it starts with regards to signings, supporter relations, investment, managerial and coaching appointments, etc.? Chris, you did a piece on this recently. Uh, what's your thoughts? Yeah, well, we've actually done a few bits on this recently, um, but one of, one of which was sort of almost like... Um, 10 points which new owners prospective new owners should look at it if they take over and I think one of the key things is to really uh, set out uh, a vision for the future and I know that a mission statement is, is being worked on that's what we, we understand and that that improving the communication with supporters saying that this is what we want to, to, to do with Newcastle United over the next few years this is this mm. is our vision this is our aim I think that's essential to begin with particularly in the sort of lockdown situation the, the coronavirus affected world that we're in George and I have written a few pieces on how with it being the uh, the lockdown takeover essentially that this is this is difficult you know you're not going to be able to come in and make necessarily all the sweeping changes you want to to begin with infrastructure we've we've written a piece on the training ground and how long term there there will be an idea about changing that and improving the infrastructure but really to begin with that they can't physically do that anyway and there aren't specific plans yet for that so in the short term it's about deciding uh building those supporter relations bringing those club legends back into the into the club uh, in some capacity be they Kevin Keegan, Alan Shearer, all these uh, sort yeah. of disillusioned figures who are so important and just build that rapport with supporters. There will be a honeymoon period whereby there'll be yeah. a lot of goodwill towards them and, and make sure you build that and make Newcastle United again the central focus, the central institution of the city as much as you can in the short term. Signings will, will come as well. The managerial situation will have to be decided upon. But very first thing is to really build that relationship with supporters and just give the club direction again. I think the first thing they should build is a, a giant uh, statue of Kevin Keegan straddling the River Tyne on the quayside. That would do me about a thousand foot high made of gold. That would be the first thing to build. 
<laughs> Beautiful. What were you going to say, George? No, no, no. Chris got it absolutely spot on. Repair and rebuild. Make this a club. It's possible to love again. Make us love this club again and rebuild it. Rebuild. So that's the team, but it's the academy. It's the training ground. It's all that thing. It's repair and rebuild. Show ambition. Show ambition. Absolutely. Show love. Show ambition. <laughs> Showing love. I'm going to group these next three questions together because they're all on the same point. Um, Equinox Pigeon, Sean Pierce. Uh, and Toon Mad Mag, uh, some great names in here. Equinox Pigeon, I've got their first two albums. They went downhill after that. Um, does the deal hinge on the piracy issue? Is the only way forward for being to be re- issue. reinstated? Issue. Issue, issue, George. Issue. To be reinstated in uh, Saudi Arabia. Is this likely to take months? Uh, that's Equinox Pigeon, Sean Pierce and Mad Mag, all asking questions with regards to the, the WTO um, report. Uh, be in and the Premier League and the piracy. Now, Matt Slater wrote a piece about this, uh, I believe it was yesterday, came out, uh, and he also spoke on the On Scene and Chapman podcast. Uh, have a little listen to that. The stumbling block is the uh, piracy issue. And this goes back to the Saudi Qatar bust up three years ago. Uh, people might be aware of being sports. They're a massive broadcaster. They have um, all manner of uh, sports rights. They, they they spend huge money on sports rights, huge money in this country, but huge money elsewhere as well. And they, they are the big player uh, in North Africa and the Middle East and a few other markets as well. But, you know, they're a really big company, very, very close partner of Premier League. For about the last three years, they've been pirated by a Saudi-based operation called Be Out Q, you know, a play on B in sports. And, um, you know, all right, in a nutshell, it does appear various reports, technical reports, various governments now agree with this, that there is some state involvement, some Saudi state involvement, to say the least, in Be Out Q. And it was a attempt to damage Qatar, damage Qatar economically. Um, and um, that's that's played out for the last few years. It's it's been largely ignored, but obviously has become incredibly important in the last few months because now a different branch of the Saudi state is trying to buy a Premier League football club, and this poses a huge dilemma for the Premier League for a few reasons. One, the Premier League's entire success over the last three decades has been based on its close partnerships with broadcasters. It's it's deemed to do really well on piracy. If you have a problem, the Premier League will have your back. And that means shutting down pubs that are, you know, closing the windows and got a dodgy box and doing lock-ins to, you know, backing you in court. Um, the Premier League opened an office in Singapore. That was very much about putting boots on the ground to defend their broadcast partners. They have a really good relationship in this space. Lots of Rights holders have been furious with Saudi and BLQ for years. The Premier League has led the charge. This is a massive dilemma at a time when the Premier League needs its broadcast partners more than ever. You know, matchday income, tickets and what have you, look seriously compromised for at least a year to 18 months. The Premier League earns 70% of its money from uh, from broadcast anyway. That's That proportion is going to go up. It's 84, 85% for some of the clubs anyway. This is not the time to look weak on piracy. This is not the time to upset one of your broadcast partners. And yet here we are again, round a table, Premier League a few months ago, being really angry with Saudi Arabia. Now face-to-face with them as Saudi Arabia tries to buy a club. And look, there's lots of reasons why in a different you know, if, if things diff- were different, they'd be like, brilliant. Another wealthy person's going to come in and breathe some life into one of our clubs. You know, big six, great. We'll have a big seven. We'll have a big eight. Fantastic. We'll have the most exciting competition in the world. Even better, maybe Saudi Arabia might want to um, bid for our rights in a few years' time when they become available in that region again. Fantastic. Every club would like that. But this is a massive dilemma. They To, to, to say yes without getting any concessions out of the Saudis in terms of really tackling piracy on the ground in their country and letting be in sports operate again in their country would, would just send a a bad signal to the industry. There we go. Yeah, I think I think yeah, well, I know that those were the questions that were being asked and answered last week. It was about mm. piracy. So that is what they're looking at at the moment. And so saying does it, is that what it hangs on? I think it probably does. Um, and 
if if as we think that the bulk of the work has already been done i think it's finding a way of making the deal watertight it's making it kind of legal legally proof um because you don't i mean so for all that there's been this sort of war in the media about you, you know two two different middle eastern countries that we don't sort of know very much about be in sports have been a big partner of the premier league over the years and have spent a lot of money on television rights and that does have to be protected i mean i can absolutely understand and see that so i think that's what it's i think that's what they i think that's what they're talking about in terms of the time it's taking it's just that takes us back to the original you know question we answered earlier it'll take as long as it takes uh, we all hope for our own sanity and for the good of the football club and the team by the way as we'll come on to um i think it's important yeah. we get we get a resolution um graham harrison and at 47 aeh which i think is the name of um what's his name's uh elon musk's kid isn't it um <laughs> is that right? i don't know i can't tell um these are both questions about a potential other bidder for the club what can you tell us about the alleged backup takeover uh from henry maurice have i got this the pronunciation of that right is it realistic and is it an attractive backup what do we think about that chris um is it realistic well reports seem to suggest that it is i haven't got any specific information to, to confirm or, or deny that and the bid that is currently uh there which is that there's legally binding contracts with uh between mike ashley and the prospective buyers is with uh, the amanda staveley led bid at the moment mm. um i'm sure there are other people waiting in the wings there's always been interest in newcastle united over the last few years even if it hasn't got to this stage until now whereby it, it does look imminent in terms of quote-unquote regarding uh, just relating to the fact that we're now waiting on the Premier League. Uh, Henry Maurice has been linked a lot recently. There's another report the other day from Luke Edwards in the Telegraph, who uh, we know is a very well-connected journalist. He, he says so. Uh, I know Henry Winter at the Times has suggested there's another uh, American-based mm. party interested. I haven't got any specific information to back up or deny that. I don't know if George has anything more on that, but uh, at the well, moment uh, the focus is very much on the Amanda Staveley. Yeah, bit. there's a deal that has been accepted and agreed and is there waiting for sign-off. I mean, I'm very suspicious about other people coming forward now 13 years you know 13 years into this and um it's very it's very difficult to say this because this has been such a public you know bid and has been from the start with Amanda Staveley um but the usual rule of thumb is you know names don't come out until something's ha happened and you know I know that's a cliche but it's it's true. And so I'm very suspicious, I think naturally suspicious and cynical about why a name would come out now once a bid has actually been accepted and agreed and signed off from both sides. So, yeah. um, you know, I personally, I think it's, it's irrelevant unless this deal were to fall down. And I'm afraid in which case we would have to go back to the very start of this of this uh, of the whole process. Mm. Not and we don't need that. I, I just find it quite sort of interesting and a little bit frustrating that suddenly people come out of the woodwork after 13 years of, of, of Newcastle United being on and off the market for sale and stuff like that. And then suddenly we've we've hit this point where we're at the, the very edge of this being done and sorted out. And then suddenly there's another name or another two names or another three yeah, names. Exactly. It just, it absolutely bends my mind. Okay, so Nick Osanio FC. Oh, we've had one from him already. He's, he's getting in there. He's really Yes, there's a few. Monopolising the uh, the questions. Could they change the percentages now so that PIF have a low enough share so they are not subject to checks? Get the deal done and then try and increase their share later on. At least this way the deal will get done and we can worry about how much they own later. Um, is that something that could be potential? Or I would imagine now that things have been signed and, and kind of agreed on, that that sort of thing couldn't change. Yeah, and then that leads us to a question from Dean Buckle and Edit Kev, who sort of say, is there a plan B if they don't get agreement for PIF involvement, such as increased stakes for PCP Ooh, and the Rubens? And uh, yeah, Kev says, could they restructure their bid? The problem is that this is this bid or um is you know it's there it's written down it's all it's all legal any changes to that would mean that as far as i understand that the original bid will then be null and void they'd lose their deposit and they would have to start again and it's taken months and months and months to get yeah. to the point where they can sub submit the bid in this format and if it's subject to change then again my reading would be unless there's an agreement with ashley that it's okay to do this that they have to effectively start all over again and yeah. um you know the idea that the idea that piff could lower their percentage uh, involvement and then come back later on well then later on they'd be subject to those yeah. the same tests 
because effectively it would be a change of ownership. And so, again, that doesn't work. And who knows whether the Rubin brothers would want to take that much ownership in a club. They've done it this way. They were involved last time Staveley tried to buy the club. And again, it was in a limited, uh, you know, it was in a, with limited involvement. So, and I'll say this again, it's, it's taken 13 months to get to this point. You know, to the point mm -hmm. where we are now, it's not something that can be done in a matter of hours or days and weeks. It's taken painstaking negotiations. I mean, I've, I'm sure I've talked about this before, but if not, I'll say it now. There was a time this time last year before Rafa uh, left the club that Amanda Staveley thought there was a chance she could get the club then, and it didn't happen. Mm. And it was only towards the back end of last year that the Saudis became involved it's taken months and months and months of painstaking negotiations on all of their side, let alone with Ashley's side, to get to this point. So, I mean, it sounds very yeah. easy. Yes, okay, other people can increase their stake. It's not easy. It's not easy. So for the <laughs> moment, it's this, it's this, or starting all over again. It's not something that can be just sorted out over a Zoom call, is it? You know what I mean? It's got. It goes through lawyers and yeah. Christ knows how many levels of legality yeah. before it gets anywhere near. Um, also, George, I must say, lovely to hear you say the word piff quite a lot as well. I've never piff. heard you refer to PIF as piff before, but I really love it. I think we should uh, we should keep that. That's delightful. What am I saying wrong now? Nothing. You Issues. just said piff, Issues. and I love it. Piff. Picking, why, what's wrong with saying piff? I don't know what. I've just never heard it before, and it's, it's Should really I be cute. saying PIF? Well, I think everyone else has kind of said PIF, but I know piff is quicker, and I like so you, piff. So, so do you Listen, prefer George, words, do you prefer oh. words to be spelled out? In which case, you are a T-W-A-T. Nah, all right, don't take the piff. Nah. Um, <laughs> S.W. Geordie has got three questions in a row here, so I'm going to just ask them all, and then we can get through them as quick as we can. Uh, will we get an announcement from the Premier League if the test has been passed or failed? We don't know. We don't know. There you go. Uh, why are the prospective new owners being consulted about decisions if they have yet to pass the Premier League test? Can they have any influence? Well, it's limbo. There's cooperation. It's important to say there's been real cooperation you know, between both sides and with issues concerning mm. the running of the club. <laughs> they have been consulted. This is what's coming up. This is what we might have to do because we're approaching a point where contracts are up, loans are up, and the football football is coming back. And so also, yeah. at the moment, we're in this period of quote-unquote handover. Now, we all thought that handover would be done by now, um, and it hasn't been, but there has been, so there's been cooperation. And if not, if, if, if although the prospective new owners are not taking those decisions because they can't, because it's not theirs, they are at least being made aware of what's happening behind the scenes. That's important. That's good. And uh, W. Jordy's also asked, do you feel this level of scrutiny would have been applied by the Premier League to the takeover deal if it was one of the big six being taken over? Everybody thinks the world is against them. That's, you know, yeah. we're all paranoid. So uh, is that a northern? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, Edit Kev has asked, if the NUFC bid is rejected by the Premier League, do you think the football associations in France, Spain or Italy would welcome PIF as owners? Which association would represent the biggest threat to the Premier League by having an investment of this size? I saw this question. Um, I don't really understand the sort of premise of it, more just in terms of will the Premier League worry that, that they've lost sort of potential Saudi investment to elsewhere? Mm. I suppose they would, but I don't think they're going to, going to suddenly think if there's Saudi investment, that's suddenly going to really affect the competitiveness of the Premier League and the saleability of the Premier League. You already have uh, Qatari owners in France for PSG, for example, um, and you have Chinese owners in uh, Serie A and, and elsewhere. So I, I, do I think that they want... I, I think ideally, as, as Matt Slater again goes into this, in his long pieces, ideally the Premier League would like this sort of level of investment and to, to attract uh, as, as much investment as possible for, from wealthy owners. But the, the issue that they have is that they've got this conflict with at issue. the moment with piracy. The issue, yes, issue. as George would say, with piracy. So they have to try and sort of square that circle at the minute. So I don't think it's the fact that they don't want investment. I just think it's the that the, 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 this is something which really goes to the core. Uh, of of where the Premier League's main revenue streams come from, and they have to protect both sides in that sense. Which part of quickfire don't you understand, Chris? Uh, I mean, <laughs> I mean, if we go through the length of answers we've had so far in this, I imagine um, yours are going to be ten times longer. Than right. Me. Well, come on. Let's let's oh, come on. Come on. Come on. Now let's, let's not fight. Let's no. Let's get quicker. Let's get quicker. Um. Here we go. Uh, is it time for the Oxford English Dictionary to redefine the word 
imminent and what it means. <laughs> that's Mark 74, NUFC. Oh, my goodness, Mark. Yes, it is. Also, red flags, that's lost all meaning. Limbo, that's lost all meaning. Yeah. Next week, that's lost all meaning. This week, that's lost all meaning. I mean, imminent compared to 13 years. Okay, fair enough. Let's let's just take that. <laughs> um, Short E3012678. It's a great name. Uh, 1990 MSH and M. Chicky Chater have all asked questions about the time uh, limits on the Premier League owners and directors test. Um, is there a cutoff point for the takeover? Uh, is there legally a time limit of how long these tests can take? The club's just left in limbo currently. The Premier League have said they have no time scale for this, but surely they understand the state of the club and its current owner and realise a faster resolution is needed for the sake of the club itself. Is there a time limit on this, George? Or is it just going to, uh, no. as we've said millions of times before, it takes as long as it takes? Yeah, no, the guidance, I say it again, the guidance was up to 30 days, um, you know, but that was only guidance. It's taken twice that, so no, there's no deadline i don't think there's any deadline to the deal itself so we just have to you know it's just once it gets through it once it gets through this test i it, i agree it's it's limbo sorry to use that word um uh you know and it's horrible for us it's also but you know it's bad for the buying side it's bad for the selling side and it's bad for the team it's bad for the team and the coaching staff because it's hanging over everybody and but you know the premier league would answer we just have to get this decision right we have to take as long as it takes to get this decision right and make sure it's the correct decision and um if that takes more time then you know it's not the premier league's fault that someone decided to sell newcastle and that someone else tried to buy it so we just have to let yeah. it happen jim machini has asked george how close have you been to deleting twitter during this takeover um, I haven't, but um, uh, it's... You've you had know, a little break, we, haven't you? I, I had to change my settings for a little while. I did get a bit overwhelming, and I think we all have to look after ourselves like that, and I would recommend that people doing that every now and again. If you have a day off, you know, turn your notifications off and look at the sunshine and go for a walk and do all those other things. We we use Twitter at The Athletic for our work and to market our pieces, and so it's very important that we're here and we engage. I love having a chat. I love having a conversation. I'll tell you a very brief story. Just to, uh, I was running the other day and I ran past Majestic Wine down Matthew Bank and there was a lad who pushing a pram with headphones on and as I ran past him, I was listening to music. He pointed at me and then pointed to his ears and it's like, oh, I'm listening to you. I'm just listening to you right now. And I turned and waved and stuck my thumb up and it was just great. I felt really proud and lucky and privileged to to do what I do. That's not directly related to Twitter, except, of course, we've we've plugged, uh, you know, the pod and questions today on Twitter as well. So, no, it's it's part of life. Nice, I love nice. it. But you have to be careful. As nice that as anecdotes nice. that was, George, it wasn't exactly quickfire. Just say that. <laughs> right. Let's move on quickly. Uh, on a scale of 1 to 10, how depressed will you be if this takeover falls through? Uh, I mean... I I don't think I, I don't want to use the term depressed because I don't want to go into sort of yeah, clinical sort of terms. But um, in terms of would I be disappointed? Yes, and primarily for all of the Newcastle fans out there who are just desperate for a change of ownership. So I think there would be immense disappointment, but we'd just have to hope that it, if that was to happen, as I say, we haven't got any information that is going to happen. But if it was, then hopefully there would be one of these supposed other buyers coming along quickly to to, to resolve it. I don't think I would be depressed if the takeover falls through. I think I would be disappointed. Um, like Chris says, I would be slightly gutted. Um, but I, no, not depressed, not at all. So zero as far as depressed is going, uh, but confused, well, I was, maybe? I was, yeah. I, I was born miserable. I was born a 10. So, um, <laughs> so, so, I mean, I would be. In footballing terms, yes, definitely. It would be horrible. It would be horrific. It doesn't even bear thinking about, if we're being honest. Um, but no, in in terms of life as a whole, you know, there's other stuff going on at the moment. There's really important, big, bad, you know, difficult stuff going on. And so, again, I mean, I know our football club means a huge amount to us, but, you know, we have to try and put things in perspective and, you know, look up and look at the sunshine and look at the green leaves and, you know, and feel try and feel happy about other things as well. Very true. Don't know why I said. Don't know why I said green leaves. There, I was trying to be quick fire. Quick fire. <laughs> um, okay, let's move on from the takeover. I think we've covered loads there with regards to the takeover. We'll we'll talk a little bit about the football side of things. Um, the first two questions I'm going to group together because they also uh, are covered by a piece that that you wrote, George, very recently. Um, what's your take on the contract situation for Matty Longstaff? Do you see him signing a new deal before the end of the month? That's from a sloth party, and which uh, of the. OOC players out of contract 
Out, out of contract. contract. Ook. I thought it was just ook. Um, Elliot Carroll, Darlow, Mankio, Sterry and Jack Corbach. Do you see NUFC trying to keep on? Yeah, so I did write a bit about this. Chris has also done stuff on this, so we'll, we'll try and do a bit together. Um, I mean, obviously, it's a bad, it's bad that Newcastle have allowed this situation with Matty to get to this point. He's been free to talk to foreign clubs for a while now, since the turn of the year, and we know that he's got this. Uh, we know he's got this offer from Udinese, which is worth around thirty grand a week, which is a lot more than the eight hundred and fifty pounds a week he's paid at the moment. Um, Newcastle have now responded with a with an offer, which we're told, um, uh, or I was told, was around. 20 grand a week plus 10 grand every time he plays that's a very that strikes me as being a very fair uh, mm, offer for a yeah. lad who started six games in the Premier League or whatever it is um you know the the question i suppose is whether it's got too far um to be resolved hopefully not um the new owners would want him to stay and they would want to keep him and this is something that both sides have talked about um it becomes very very complicated so this is not a quick fire answer waffles i apologize because we're now getting to the point where out of contract players are affected well are out of contract at the end of this month and football is only coming back soon so the club are presented with a dilemma and the dilemma is that yes they need bodies and they need people to stay they need backup and i think the concern from steve bruce is that for people whether it's matty whether it's andy carroll whether it's mankeo in particular what is the incentive for them to sign short-term deals potentially putting themselves at risk if you know, if they get injured and then they have no contract to, to fall back on. And so the club have made contact with those three players now. They Lee Charnley spoke to their agents, representatives last week and talked about the idea of uh, of them staying beyond this season. Perhaps that's not an ideal situation. Long stuff is clearly the priority. But mm. what happens if none of those three players play again and then suddenly Newcastle get a raft of injuries in a position where they're not quite safe and they're still in the FA Cup so it's a short-term sticking plaster it probably wouldn't be be necessary if there were new owners owners in place but it's there's all sorts of things at play there um Elliot won't be offered a new deal um and I don't know about are Darlow and Sterry also out of contract, Chris? Is that right? Darlow actually has a, an extra year, which um, okay. I know it's widely been reported he didn't, but he has an, another year. Sterry is out of contract, so is Jack Colback. They will both almost certainly leave at the end of this month. Yeah. They've not been involved in training, and I don't think they're going to be uh, involved beyond in, in terms of the, the games coming up. I think Newcastle are going to instead look to some of the under-23s. Again, that's complicated mm. because Premier League regulations are that they have to be under the age of 21. Now, under, my understanding is that Newcastle have even looked at trying to get someone like Dan Barlesa possibly involved uh, yeah. if, if, he, if, if he wasn't to continue at Rotherham if the, if the League One season is to end. But that would that would need special Premier League dispensation or relaxation of squad rules because at the minute he's over the age of 21 and so can't, has to be registered in the 25-man squad, which he currently isn't. That's the issue they got with Paul Dummett as well. He is currently outside of the 25-man squad because he was injured in January. So as things stand, Paul Dummett can't play for the remainder of the season and Newcastle have to mm. wait and see if those rules are relaxed. Andy Carroll's an interesting one as well, isn't it? Because he was only a short-term deal to start with. He was only a year's contract. Um, what's going to happen with him? Well, so he's yeah. So so they want him to stay this season. It's really important that they have backup. Steve Bruce has already admitted that Jalinton isn't a striker. So really, they only have Dwight Gale, um, and you know they need Carroll as backup, particularly if they have injuries. And the, again, the concern perhaps Andy Carroll won't have a huge number of options for him next season. But if you don't offer the incentive of another contract or at least talk about it, then um, I think the concern is. You know, the concern is that Newcastle leave themselves very short. And so, um, you know, the, uh, if if everything goes OK, then perhaps that means there's a chance that Andy Carroll or, you know, even if the takeover were to fell through, Steve Bruce would then have to pick up the pieces. If you're losing three kind of first team squad players or first team players who are out of contract, they have to be replaced and that mm. costs money. And if the takeover doesn't happen, will there be money? And so you have all these things that are going around that now I don't think the takeover is going to break down but you know people have to make decisions or start planning or and that's why this limbo is very damaging to sort of everybody because it doesn't help I mean if new owners were to come in tomorrow do I think Andy Carroll will be there next season no I don't but at the moment we just don't know anything do we 
Um, I'm going to jump to uh, a couple of questions about St. James's Park. There's a couple of things about maintenance and also redevelopment here, which we want to get through. Uh, do you believe the stadium facilities need better maintenance and where necessary upgrading? Stadium needs regular maintenance. Sir Bobby Robson was so proud of it, but the way uh, it, it has been kept recently would make him angry. I have to say I agree with this. Uh, from a fan's point of view, I, I think the stadium, you can slap black paint on walls as much as you like, but the inside of that stadium needs a damn good overhaul. And I don't think it would cost an awful lot of money to do it either. I don't know how you lads feel about that. Yeah, I do think it needs, yeah, I think it needs love and general. I suppose the one issue that I always have answering questions like this is that we're in a sort of privileged position of, of going into the press box. I don't see large parts of where fans go around St. James's Park. I see yeah, pictures on not, social media. I hear, I hear responses from fans, and I, see, and I see a lot of that, but I can't say that from a, a first-person point of view. One thing I, I will say, which is, is, is a problem that a lot of Premier League clubs have, they don't even have one screen, whereas Newcastle do have the one screen, but obviously if you're in the east stand or if you're on the far side of the, of the Gallagher end, you can't actually see the screen at St. James's Park, uh, which, which for things such as VAR and other bits which are coming into into football now, I know fans aren't going to be in in the short term, but that th- that needs resolving as well because if if we are if we do need greater communication for fans, if there's going to be a decision which has been reviewed and things like that, they can't see on the screen, then there needs to be a screen thought up somewhere else or some other solution thought up. It, just in that regard, I know that's not so much maintenance, but that's just the sort of ideas of, of what needs to be be sorted from St James's Park, from what I can say from, from a first person point of view. And then Lee Errington has talked about capacity, you know, owners looking at redevelopment capacity. Yeah, it's definitely something they've looked at and they're thinking about. I mean, clearly it's not going to be the first first thing that they want to do, but they have asked questions of that. And I believe they've asked questions of, uh, you know, of, of politicians and things like that around around the city. I hope they wouldn't consider a new stadium. I love St. James's Park and I love its iconic mm. positioning in the city. That would be a kind of deal breaker for me. But But yes, it's something they're looking at. Do you think, uh, this is from Chief Morgan, do you think playing the rest of the season behind closed doors will benefit or hinder Newcastle? This is a difficult one to answer because uh, I don't know yet how, because it, 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 you you have to factor in that there's also 19 other teams who are going to be facing something they haven't faced before yeah. in terms of behind closed doors game. I think it will hinder Newcastle in the home uh, semi-final, uh, quarter-final, sorry, against Man City. I certainly think it'll hinder them in, in that regard uh, because the, the fans would have would have been so important that it would have been a huge uh, occasion, historic occasion. So I think in that, in that sense, in other games, um, I'm not so sure because they've, they've got a few away matches against the likes of Villa and, and Brighton, whose home form has has, has been better th- than uh, when they have had supporters there. But Newcastle are going to go to those grounds, and, and there isn't going to be that sort of home support to really get behind Brighton. Uh, and also, someone. Well, what almost a contrast between Sam Maximan and Joe Linton here because Joe Linton has, has struggled to a, to, to a large degree since he, since his company Castle number nine shirt. Will he will he be, li- be liberated somewhat without the scrutiny of fans within the stadium? And for someone like Sam Maximan, even though people are watching on telly, he's someone who really absorbs the energy of the crowd. And when they get behind him, he's he's, he's very tricky and things like that. So I, I don't know whether he's going to lose a little something with that. I hope not. I hope that I hope that him not being in front of a crowd won't, won't make a difference. But there's just so many intangible. Sorry, this is a question. I'm just basically fudging the answer. I don't know. Basically, is, is, is what are, is, what are is, Newcastle is known answer. for? What are Newcastle known for? Not winning, winning anything, and a shitload of people turning up. And um, so, of course, I, I'm I'm worried what might happen when a shitload of people don't turn up. Although they are also known for crap away form, which may, if if neutral venues, then the, well, not neutral, essentially a neutral because there's nobody there. Then maybe that helps them. We just I mean, I, shut I don't up. Know. Move on to the next one. It's awful. Come on, move, move on. <laughs> I'm going to jump ahead a couple here in our little list, lads, because there's a few down the bottom that I want to get to before we uh, before we wrap up. Uh, who, in your opinion, is NUFC's most underrated player ever? And that's from Graham Bell uh, underscore NUFC on Twitter. And the answer is Taylor James Perch. Okay, next. No, it's it's not. My actual serious answer to this is uh, Rob Lee. So, oh, he's not underrated. Have we not already done a podcast on this? Yes, we did no, a full no, podcast no, on this. We did. No. For all of you, what is your favourite Newcastle home strip and why? Oh, it's the Kevin Keegan title non-winning year. Uh, black and white stripes, absolutely beautiful. Adidas. And then also that away strip, the uh, horizontal burgundy and what kind of blue stripe. I love that. I love that away. The 95... Yeah, 95 to 97 kit. That's my favourite. I think that's the same for everyone, kit. isn't it? Is that is that the same for you, Chris? 
Yeah, although I'd also give an honorary mention to the the one a few years later with the sort of blue trim. I like that one as well, the blue trim and the still mm. with the Newcastle Brownie along. I like that kit as well. But yeah, I think Gaza's Gaza's silver away strip. I like that. That's well. a great kit. That that is a lovely kit. That that Newcastle home shirt with the brown ale badge on the front won the Amazon Twitter poll about the greatest ever football shirt last week. No, it's, it's it was, gorgeous. It was voted on by by hundreds of thousands of people, and uh, that one won the uh, won the the full thing. So there we go. Um, with regards to refunds, is it because the club is in limbo, effectively between ownership and under a sale agreement, that the money can't be refunded until that is resolved? Doesn't negate the lack of communication on the matter, but is this likely? That's from I'm not even going to attempt to pronounce that. Well, I don't know the specific answer to this question. I would be guessing to a certain degree. But what I do agree with is that communication should be better, even if that is the case, which I don't know whether it is, if the, if the fact that because a potential change of ownership is coming through and, and that they don't want to make such big decisions about a, a, an economic issue that big, then I think... Uh, they should come out and just say that this is the, we 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 recognise the need for refunds and this is something uh, which we will communicate in, in due course. The fact that they haven't confirmed that staff have been furloughed or that that this is actually still a problem with the ta- with uh, the refunds, I think is is in itself just plain wrong. Even if you get it's into the issue that haven't been refunded, the fact that there hasn't been terrible. any communication at all. I don't care what the context is. There is absolutely no excuse for for the lack of communication. It is scandalous. It is scandalous. We're talking about people's money. We're talking about people's money in a time when people are really struggling and, you know, to blame a, a prospective takeover for failing to even acknowledge that there's a situation or that people have grievances or people have problems is 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 just horrible. The club have traditionally been absolutely abysmal at talking to their own uh, fans in human, warm, normal language over the last 12, 13 years. But it's just scandalous that they're not saying anything now and not saying anything about this. It's it's disgusting. It absolutely is. Yeah, completely agree with that. Um, Aunt Evan Milburn has asked, "What is the best goal from this season so far?" I can't even remember who scored it, but um, but my favourite kind of moment is the equaliser at Goodison Park when I was in the away end and yeah, and it, I mean, it was just it was just brilliant. And I wrote a piece that night. Uh, Chris was in the press box. I was in the away end, and it was just. You know, it was just absolutely crazy, limbs everywhere, uh, and I. That was, you know, probably one of the, my favourite pieces I've written this season, and it was definitely my favourite moment. Uh, um, it was just glorious, absolutely glorious. Not not best goal because of aesthetic beauty, but just because of just that nonce, getting lost in the nonsense of the moment. <laughs> Excellent. I would say the uh, the Sam Maximum goal against uh, Oxford in the FA Cup. That was probably my. Oh, the yeah. goal that I thought was the best goal this season so far. What about you, Chris? Um, I th- I think probably from an emotional point of view it would be Matty Longstaff's against Man United in the, f- the first mm, one, obviously. I know stuff, pro- yeah. probably wasn't, again, the, the best strike, but I think just the context of it, yeah. uh, that would be up there. And then also John Joe Shelby against Manchester City, even though I think that Kevin De Bruyne's goal in the same game, controversially, was a better goal. I still, I th- the Shelby one was still very good and obviously was, a, was an important moment as well. Um, we're running out of time, so I'm going to try and blast through a few of these questions quickly we've got some nonsense here uh what's the best plot twist in a film you've ever seen <sighs> blimey um one film that i've rewatched quite recently is seven with brad pitt morgan freeman that's a great and, film. um that's a pretty good pretty good ending probably a bit cliched but empire strikes back star wars obviously the famous line from from darth vader to Mm. I watched I watched the last Star Wars just the other week, and um, uh, I, in fact, in fact, about a week ago, and I did enjoy it. All the Star Wars films are exactly the same, aren't they? That is a it's I the mean, same I love film. Yeah, it is the same film done nine times. That's it. Um, I'm going to mention uh, the Sixth Sense as being a decent plot twist mm. when you find out, okay. you know, yeah, yeah, that thing true. that you find out in it. Questions for oh, General Waffle. Oh my God, Batman's Milkman has upgraded your status to General Waffle. Um, if you were a pirate, oh God, God's sake, Christ Almighty, what, <laughs> that's a good start, isn't it? What I mean, we've got enough. We created here. Haven't we got enough issues with piracy already? <laughs> yeah, we probably have. Yeah. <laughs> if you were a pirate, which <laughs> which would you prefer if you had to hook for a hand, a peg leg, or a loss of eye resulting in an eye patch? No mention of a parrot on the shoulder there, which I'm disappointed with. Or, or would you prefer just to stream football matches illegally? <laughs> <laughs> a B-O-T-Q um, box for a leg. <laughs> I, I Come on, Waffles. I think I'd go for... 
for a peg leg because I'm useless at football anyway, so it wouldn't be that great a miss if I couldn't actually run around doing Interesting. it. Interesting. Interesting. Mm. I think eye patch for me. I think it's cooler. Um, <laughs> if, like some Bundesliga teams, the Premier League allowed cardboard cutouts instead of a proper crowd, who or what would you have as your cutout? Um, I would say David Hasselhoff for me, probably. <laughs> I'm just going to say Chewbacca because I haven't moved on in my own head from Star Wars. <laughs> I think I'd just have it like zoomed in on my early lockdown haircut. Which moves us on to the next question: Which of the Northeast press corps has the finest lockdown haircut? Well, if it's if it's I've seen a, I've seen a few of my colleagues and they've they suddenly have these kind of incredible bouffant haircut. But no, Chris yeah. has to get the award with this for attacking his own head with a pair of shears. Yeah, you look like you'd lost an argument with a lawnmower, Chris. That's what you look like. Um, J LC one A two asks, "What are your cats' names?" My cat's called Freddy. Uh, Friedrich, Zygmunt, Bobby, and Eva. Nice. Chris? I don't have a cat, although my dad does. Oh, well, it's called Simba. Balls can, to you, I, Chris. Can, can, I, can I, the, the, the longest cat I ever had, not longest in terms of length, but in terms of time, um, just, just I don't know why I said that, but just a, a cat. Big, long cat. So I had a cat for about 19 years. I loved her, and she, she lasted through several relationships and jobs and all that, and I named her Fanny. And I kind of thought that would be, A, quite funny, but also it's kind of quite a nice name, um, you know, Victorian. But basically, because it was quite funny and I'm, I was very childish, I didn't think it through, however, when late at night I needed to attract the cat back into the house so it wouldn't be locked locked out and realised I'd have to stand on my um, back, back stair shouting Fanny. And I mean, you still do that now, don't you, even though the cat's gone? <laughs> it doesn't work, let me tell you that much. <laughs> Um, cracking podcast, lads, from Geordie Gadgie. Thank you very much. Um, what Cheers. are your top five pubs in Newcastle for mm. pre, post beers, and what yeasty mm. beverage, oh god, or fruit-based drink uh, is yours mm. of choice? Mm. What's your what's your what's your your best pubs, George? Uh, Cumberland, I'd say free trade. I no love, pubs, not sausage. Uh, um, <laughs> hang on, Cumberland free trade. Where else do I really like um, Crown Posada? Uh, yes. The Bridge Tavern, I really like. Mm-hmm. And, oh, God. Um, I should probably say the Gosworth Hotel, just because it's local to me. Mm, there you go. Chris? Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd echo some of George's. I'd add in uh, the Trent, certainly. And oh, I'm like, oh, I should have said the Trent. I should have said the Trent. And uh, the Too Hotspur late. as well. I like the Hotspur. And, and your Castle uh, and your Castle Arms. Excellent. I'm going to go for um, Sergeant Peppers, uh, Sinners. Uh, <laughs> Players sports bar, um, two for one on Jaeger bombs, um, and any weather spoons? No, of course not. Pop, pop um, I yeah, I pop world, <laughs> yeah, pop world, yeah. The Trent for me is is a great bar. I like, I love the strawberry yeah. just for where it is and what it is. Oh, strawberry. Um, the bodega as well. Oh god, there's so many yeah, good pubs. Yeah. I like Tilly's. Um, yeah. and I like the pubs. Newcastle Tap now because I can get some weird and wonderful beers that you can't get anywhere else. Pubs. So there you go. Head of Steam. Head of Steam. Yeah. Oh, I miss, good... I miss the pub. Oh. I miss the pub. We're coming towards the end now. I've got a couple of questions about meat. <laughs> <laughs> Which are going to fly through. Um, <coughs> uh, are pork and apple sausages a main course or a pudding? I think Chris needs to take the bulk of these. <laughs> Come on, Chris. Chris, you take the bulk of the meat. Uh, it's not my favourite type of sausage, but I think it is a legit sausage. Uh, main course. Sausage. sausage. You have issues with sausage. <laughs> I mean, I think I, I I would personally just want a good sausage, a good pork sausage, and I would happily like have apple chutney or like apple sauce next to it. I mean, I, I think apple is wasted within a sausage, personally. I'm, sausage. I make a delicious uh, sausage casserole uh, with apple cider vinegar included in the sauce. Mm. Mm. Um, did Private Waffles provide the sausage for George's Big Five? Or we didn't mention George's birthday. George, um, what no. did you get? <laughs> Did you oh, McDonald's? Actually, I was going to say, did I get any? I didn't get any sausage, but did Chris actually did he he did a social distancing present drop off, which included um, quite a substantial quantity of meat in it. Wow! Just to um, there was some nuja. Is that I'm pronouncing that right, Chris? And do and do you, which is incredibly hot, like a meat paste, which I wow. stuffed a pepper with, with some mozzarella and and roasted it. And it was incredibly hot, incredibly spicy, very nice. And he's provided me with some speck and some other meat. So, yes, he did. He provided the only sausage that I got on my birthday, so to speak. 
Brilliant. Uh, Ted246, garlic or chilli on a kebab? Let's go around. Chris? Chilli. George? Mm, I'm saying I'm saying chilli, yeah. I go both because I'm a heathen. Put a lot on. David Pick, 90, David Pick, 1987. I sang that. I don't know why. Uh, if did. Chris was furloughed from The Athletic, would he be allowed to moonlight on the meat counter at Morrison's until he came back to work? <laughs> I think he would be, I think it'd be a good choice to do so. If I was Morrison's, I would, um, I would consider hiring him because he does have a deep knowledge and interest. I mean, I, my own, actually, having, now that I'm talking that out loud, I, I wonder whether he would be so tempted to sort of pilfer bits of meat um, and sort of just munch on them whilst he was <laughs> Hide working. them about his person. Maybe, so maybe he'd be a terrible employee, yeah, and just eat it. I think he might eat it. So no, I don't think he would. I don't think he, I don't think that would be a good move. For Chris, sense. somebody's asked, have you ever broke the five-second rule with regards to sausage, um, which is the rule of if you drop a piece of food and it's allowed to be on the floor for five seconds? <laughs> ask, ask, ask the follow-up question as well, please. Oh, has he ever played hide the sausage? <laughs> In terms of the answer to the first one, uh, yes, I think I did when I was in uh, at a Christmas market in Hamburg. I'd bought a Frankfurter and I think I dropped it and I hadn't realised I dropped it because I was drinking my beer and then it was must, it was must have been at least five seconds later that I did pick it up and eat it, yes. So unashamedly, you, yes, I did. You dirty birdie. Dirty dog. I think the five-second rule is is adjustable depending on how delicious the piece of food is. I think if it's a bit of broccoli you drop, then, you know, two seconds is enough. Whereas if I think you drop a lovely bit of... If you drop a lovely bit of fillet steak with a Diane sauce down there, it could probably be down there for about a week, and I'd still go down for it. What would you rather have, can only have one, from Leafy Dragon, a lifetime supply of free Dixons or Greggs, uh, and the Newcastle takeover accepted? Well, I'm going to say Newcastle takeover because yeah, me too. I can still I can continue to buy Dixons and Greggs, and I'm quite happy to contribute to my local meat-based community. Likewise, yeah, and also if I had a free supply, then my cholesterol levels would really be... The I'm already levels. worried about your cholesterol's levels and your state of your arteries. And finally, thank God, Tom NUFC, if the takeover was a sausage... Oh, Jesus Christ. If the takeover was a sausage, what kind of sausage would it be? I've got the answer to that. It would just be a really fucking long one. Can I just say thank you so much to everybody who's submitted a question? I think there were, there were over 100. I, I had to just stop because I, I ran out of time uh, when I, I was going through them. But um, And we didn't get to all of them even on this list. We tried our best, but quick fire. I think our quick fire, quick fire work needs work. What? Our quick fire, our definition of quick fire needs work. Correct. Mm-hmm. 